Hi everyone, this is Martin Willis and welcome to the Antique Auction Forum for episode number 120. I'm excited about today's guest. It's the award-winning legendary actress and singer as well as author Polly Bergen. Because of that, I have her music as an intro and outro. I hope you enjoy that. A couple of announcements. You can follow us on Twitter and you can like us on Facebook. Those icons are right on our website. This podcast is sponsored by WorthPoint. Find out what your antiques are worth at worthpoint.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Don't ever leave me now that you're here. Here is where you belong. Everything seems so right when you're near, when you're away, it's all wrong. I am in Connecticut with Polly Bergen. How are you doing, Polly? I'm very well. Thank you, Martin. And it's such a pleasure to work with you, first of all. You were really gracious to record with me uh, about antiques. No, oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, you know, I'm old enough to be able to talk about old things. <laughs> now, you were, you were collecting all the way back into the 1950s. But before we get into that, first of all, for the younger people, we have a lot of young, younger people around the world who listen. Can you kind of go in? You've oh, been yes, in- they'll have absolutely no idea who I am. <laughs> well, I, uh, I basically started as a singer uh, when I was very, very young. I lied about my age. Um, and um, I started in Las Vegas when the gangsters actually owned and ran Las Vegas. It was very exciting in those days. Wow. And my mother used to travel with me, and she pretended to be my sister because if she was my mother, then people would say, why is she traveling with her mother if she's 22 when, in fact, I was 15? So that was kind of the way it began. And uh, I really accidentally got into acting. I never really meant to be an actress. I never really particularly cared about acting until much later on in my life. But uh, I ended up uh, doing a a television show uh, about a, a very famous torch singer uh, from the even before my time. She was from the twenties and thirties, uh, and she was um, because I was in love with torch songs. I sang a lot of the material that she had been famous singing. So I started studying her. Her name was Helen Morgan, and uh, I included a number of her songs in my act and kind of became very well known for doing her material and ultimately ended up selling her life story to Hmm. uh, a very big television show at that time called Playhouse 90. And uh, it was an hour and a half dramatic show Live in the days when television was live, um, and I—that's a little tricky. Yes, <laughs> and I won. Um, I won an Emmy for Best Actress the year that I did it, and that kind of started my career off. And, and it was strange because, as I said, I was basically a singer, but I ended up winning as a dramatic actress because her life was uh, was such a drama. And was I was signed um, to um, a major studio to act, and my career kind of took off. Uh, the odd thing was, of course, that the first three movies I was in were Martin and Lewis films. 
in which I played comedy. So, and I uh-huh. played Dean Martin's girlfriend in all the films. Oh, wow. Which I loved because I adored Dean. I'm not too crazy about Jerry, but adored <laughs> Dean. And uh, I started that way. And then yeah. from there, I had my own television show. And then I went into movies, more movies, and more television. And I started doing a lot of theater. And I really kind of ended up working in just about every different area of show business, on the stage, uh, on records, in television, radio, uh, motion pictures. And then, oddly enough, uh, I got married, um, had three children, and really decided that I wanted to devote my life to, to being a married lady and having my children. And I kind of gave up show business, more or less. Um, but it just didn't give me up. They kept sort of <laughs> coming after me. And um, then I accidentally went into business, really just by a fluke. Uh, I had... Um, had a product made for me by a chemist that I particularly loved, and I started loaning it, having it made and loaning it out to my friends, and the next thing I knew, I was in this uh, tiny little business called Oil of a Turtle because it was based on turtle oil, and the next thing I knew, it was the biggest, hottest product on the market, and uh, I ended up running this multi-million dollar cosmetic company. Wow. So then I was uh, sort of the first show business personality who um, owned and ran Uh a a major company, um, a multi-million dollar company. Like so many do these days. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Lopez, you can just name a whole bunch of people. Yes, of course. So uh, I, um, I really ended up being known... Depending on when you first met me and depending on your age, to one group I was known as a singer, to another group I was known as an actress, and to another group I was known as a businesswoman. Wow. And all of them didn't necessarily know that I did anything else. So <laughs> now, that you, was kind of fun in my life. Wow. And you actually, in one of your roles, you played the first lady president. I did. And, and then, in and 1961, then later. <laughs> I played the first female president of, of the United States in a film called Kisses for My President. Actually, if you were running right now, I'd vote for you oh, after I've gotten to know thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> You'll probably the film this actually, country out. <laughs> the film actually uh, uh, co-starred Fred McMurray, oh, yeah. who mm-hmm. was a major star in those days. And the story really basically was about him being first lady. Uh, <laughs> um, I could see him fit that part. And yeah. he was he was quite wonderful in, in the part. Now, what, what was your favorite movie you did? Was Cape Fear right there? Oh, I, gee, I wasn't really nuts about any of the movies I made. I think that the, um, the work that I enjoyed more than anything else I ever did was uh, a gigantic miniseries called Winds of War. Oh, yes. And it was followed by another miniseries called War and Remembrance. And they were two Uh gigantic books by Herman Woke. They were great. And they were incredible books, still are Mm -hmm. incredible books, and still are being bought and read by millions of people. And um, I played this incredible character uh, uh, opposite Robert Mitchum, who I I had become Mm -hmm. very friendly with because we did Cape Fear together. 
And uh, so I played his wife in wow. in the, the miniseries. And um, that was probably the most thrilling work yeah. I've done as an actress in, in my lifetime. Now, uh, you're still active. I mean, you were in um, Desperate Housewives. Oh, yeah, I do Desperate Housewives. Well, I did Desperate Housewives yeah. now and then. I played Felicity Huffman's mother. Uh, With and Larry that was Hagman as a... a I know, and, yeah. and, and on one show, yeah. Larry Hagman was on, and uh, I marry him, and then, of course, he dies of a heart attack because I'm overwhelming, you know. Uh, but, uh, and we had great fun. We, and it was before he, uh, he went back to Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, and he talked about the fact that Dallas was coming back on the air, and um, he'd had a rough time because he'd been taking care of his wife for quite a long time who had Alzheimer's, mm. and so it was uh, very difficult for him. He's quite a wonderful man i'm Hmm. very very fond of him yeah yeah well that's great that's great Uh, it's so great that you're staying active you're still staying active i love it i uh i think you know i particularly enjoy doing stage work but i don't know whether or not i have the stamina to do eight shows a week now oh uh, which is what you oh, would talking if about. You, like if you were doing a Broadway show, you uh-huh. would be doing eight shows a week. And yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. That would probably be a little bit more than, uh, than I'd be willing to do physically. Yeah. But I do love uh, working in the theater, and I love working on stage. There's, there's something uh, um, quite wonderful about working in front of a live audience. Yeah. Now, you, you had some uh, beautiful songs I've, uh, that you... Oh, well, yeah, I, I, um, as I said, I really started out singing all these very famous old torch songs that are uh, from a lot of wonderful Broadway shows like Showboat and, and shows like that. You started collecting, no, the show is basically about antiques, and right. you, you started collecting um, some beautiful things early on, and I just want to talk about that because... I like to interview collectors. They're always interesting. And right. What, what started you? What had started your interest in antiques? Uh, I, I really think the, the the history was my favorite subject in ah, school. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And mine too, actually. So yeah. the mm-hmm. the idea of of, of furniture and objet that has history. Mm-hmm. Uh, was always fascinating to me. And yes. I, I couldn't wait to hear the history of this piece and the history of that piece. Um, and so I started, you know, really uh, collecting things that, that had a story to tell. Wow. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a great fun for me. The very first thing I ever collected was a, um, I don't even know what you call it. It was a... a a model of Lincoln's hand, hmm. and it was just a hand, and it was a kind of a fist. Now, was this like a from life, uh, a life casting? Yes, it was uh-huh. a life casting of Lincoln's hand. That began my first collection really? of hands, hands, and I still have them. They're sitting on the coffee table in the, in the living room, uh, and the only hand that I don't have is Lincoln's hand, and somehow or another... Over the years, it was lost in one of the moves, or someone stole oh, it. Oh, can't or, find it. But no. I have, you know, mm-hmm. I have all sorts of hands in there. That was my first collection. And then I started collecting um, newels. Newel posts. Yeah, newel, newel posts. Post caps, beautiful crystal ball. Right, right. Newel. And I thought they were fascinating, that they came from very famous homes. and uh, uh, the European? Are those? Uh, some are European, some are mm-hmm. American. Um, 
And they, they come, you know, primarily, of course, from gigantic mansions, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. And, uh, yeah, and to see them and to think that something that beautiful actually was something you grabbed at the, yeah. at, at the base of a, and of sometimes a staircase. They, they fell off like it's in a wonderful life. Yeah. Do you remember he ran down the stairs and grabbed it and it fell off? Oh, all right, time. yeah. We yeah. had one like that where I grew up. Oh, it Always came off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those... One of the things about collecting that people don't understand today is back in the days well before the Internet. Mm -hmm. You know, things uh, can be found so easily today on the Internet. You just search for them and click, and they're there. Right. But when you you have quite a collection, and how did you find those? Uh, To a large degree, I found them by accident. Uh I would be going through, you know, an old shop, and I'd see one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'd ask about it, and if it had a real history, I would grab it. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it, that really is is pretty much the. Way. And I, I would sometimes ask if anyone knew of any uh, shops that had any newel posts, oh, wow. uh, because I was yeah. always on the lookout for them. But you know, they they weren't things that you saw around. I mean, right. they just you know weren't. Well, I'll put it this way: I've been around this job for forty. Some odd years. It's really hard for me to say that, but it's true. And uh, I've only seen a few here and there that I can remember. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you have no, to really not, be No, they're not just hanging around, I right. don't think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, what else did you start collecting? Well, let's see. Now I have the hands and I have the new posts. I collected um, uh, Bucciolati um, yes. uh, pieces, uh, mainly fruit. Fruits yeah. and vegetables. And you'd find one here and, and there. And I'd find one here and there. Right. I uh, bought my first one in London, and then I bought a couple in Rome, and one wow. in Paris, and Vienna, wow. and yeah. uh, then several here in the United States. And again, I just kept, you know, running across a, a piece. Yeah. And uh, I have something like 13 of them now. You know, it's when I first met you and first started talking about antiques so the one thing you said right away that intrigued me and i really liked is that you said you didn't you never cared what something was worth you only oh no Uh -uh. you only wanted it because you enjoyed it because i wanted it right i just it was something that i as i listened i wish i'd have been more conscious of (laughs) of the worth of things because i would have collected things that i thought would be worth something someday, but I never did that. And I, you but know, you actually did collect some things. I think. I guess. Yes. I, you I know. mean, you were you were buying things in the fifties. Yeah. A few pieces that uh, I'm handling for you that are just tremendous, wonderful. Yeah. And so you you have your taste has worked well for you, I believe. Well, I hope so. Yeah, and it's awful hard to say in this market in today's world, but um, you did you spent some money in the fifties that. Well, let me just put it this way. We had a discussion about a piece of handling. Mm-hmm. People were buying houses for what you spent for that piece. You know? Oh, yes, I know, because my yeah. mother and father bought a house for what I spent for that piece. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can announce what it is. It's, it's the most amazing uh, European clock. It's a clock. I didn't have any. I saw it on the floor of an antique shop. Mm-hmm. It was just lying on the floor. It's an enormous piece. What is it, about uh, four feet by five feet? Or it, that's, that's right on the money. Something like yep. that, and uh, all hand-carved, and it's fa- mother and father time. Right, yeah. Uh, and one is holding a uh, um, scythe, yep. and the other one is holding a... Hourglass. Hourglass. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Beautifully carved. It's an incredible piece, an incredible piece. And I saw it. And, and you know, how many people buy something that's four feet by five feet <laughs> that you put on a wall? I don't know what I was thinking. And you think it was around 1955? I would say it was about 55, 56. And you, know? you spent, can we say what you spent? I spent $5,000 for it. And my, Which was a lot of money. Yes, in those my days. parents bought a house in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, in 1956 for sixty-five hundred dollars. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're right there with. Uh, I mean, you're you're investing big time. Yeah. At the time. Uh, so. And uh, you know, it just it was one of those things that was so amazing looking to me. Yes. And then, of course, I found out that it actually worked. I mean, I didn't never enter my mind that it really kept time, you know. But then I discovered that it actually was a clock that worked and had and chimed. It chimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and over the years, the 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 problem that I've had with it is that it has forced me to buy and or rent homes with a certain size. Mm-hmm. Living room, right, or library that would allow me to hang that piece. Yeah, and only for a very short period of time in my life was that piece not hung by me. Really, and um, at that time, I gave it to my daughter to hold on to. She had it in her uh, in her garage for a year or so. That must have hurt. And it was really hard, you know, yeah. to not have it yeah. with me. But yeah. I was renting this little apartment in New York, and there was no place to hang it. Yeah. And that particular piece is very, very heavy. We had three of us to get it down. Right. And so you need, like, a real strong brace to even hang something. Oh, like yeah. 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 And it's yeah. got to be, you know, you can't really hang it in any, any of the new buildings. Plus because the painting, walls are just not strong enough, you know, to hold it. Yes. And plus the painting that you had was... 300 inches by 175 inches high? I, yeah, it was, it was, uh, uh, it, it's a diptych. Yeah. And each piece was, uh, 75 by 75. It, so I, that, that meant that it was 75 by 150. It was actually larger than that. Was it larger yeah, than that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. You said you measured it and it was much bigger than that. It was, that. uh, 150, 75 by 150. Right. Yeah. Right. 75 by 150 each. And again, uh, yeah. I saw it. I, I went to. I actually was taken by a friend of mine to visit a friend of hers who lived in an old um, police horse academy in New York City. Oh. Oh. Uh, and he had bought it and had turned it into his home. But on each landing, there would be a room, and and it was where oh, the horses were kept. Place. Police horses were kept, and they mm-hmm. were brought down. And on the ground floor. He had put in a swimming pool, if you can imagine, in New York City. Wow. And this was like in the, uh, down in the 20s in, uh, in uh, Manhattan. And hanging above the swimming pool was this painting. <laughs> I took one look at that painting and I said, is that for sale? <laughs> I, and it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy because it was... It was the, it was gigantic. It was just gigantic. I didn't, I didn't have any place to hang it. And uh, he said, well, you know, I guess. And I said, well, how much? And he told me, and I said, oh, uh, could I pay it over time? <laughs> With so much money, I couldn't pay it a lump sum. And he said, sure, you know, you pay me so much a month or whatever, you know, it was fine. 
And so I bought it. And um, from then on, again, I was trapped buying. That's uh, a huge wall. Yeah, buying or renting a, a, a place that had a wall big enough to hold that piece. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to take a little skip here. I want to talk about your beautiful home. This is an early home that you restored. Can you tell the whole story about this Well, home? you know, uh, this uh, was originally built. We, we discovered it at Town Hall. This was originally built in 1760. Hmm. Uh, and um, it, it was lived in for a very, very, well, the last owners lived here um, their almost their entire lives. He was one of the major doctors in this area. Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting because I think originally, originally, it was an old mill house. Yes, I can see the mill stream out front here. Right. That you've done beautiful stonework with. Yeah, yes. and, and it, it has the mill stream, and there was originally a, a, a mill house, a little mill house down there, mm -hmm. which we kind of restored and turned into sort of a, a little guest house. Uh, two waterfalls. Yes. And a swimming pond in between the two waterfalls. Oh, really? Do you actually yeah. swim in there? No, we haven't because we, I, first of all, I don't swim. <laughs> but, um, and it's actually lined. It's lined with stone and everything. But it's been, not been used in like 50 years, so it's all wow. filled up now yeah. with silt and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would be, I think, very expensive to keep up because it's in a running stream. Sure. So it's constantly carrying debris from wherever mm -hmm. the stream comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, but we we came up here to look for a house in the country. And... Uh, we wanted to get something near a very dear friend of mine, Rex Reed, who is a, oh, yeah. a, a very well-known writer. Uh, and the very first house that they brought us to see was this house. And we pulled into the driveway, and to the left were these two waterfalls. Mm -hmm. And straight ahead was a bridge going over the stream. Yes, and then beautiful. up on this knoll was this, was this wonderful little farmhouse. Mm. And I... Before I ever really saw the inside of the house, mm -hmm. I, I turned and said, I'll take it. Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, I just, I felt so in love with just the whole look of the land and mm -hmm. the way it sat and, and the way it looked and the way it, 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 there was just something very, very special about it. And then, of course, I came up and came in the house and, and you know, and it had the, f the three fireplaces and, uh, and all original. Uh, and then I, Took the original kitchen and knocked it down and put in a big kitchen, a uh, big kitchen breakfast room. And uh, then a couple of years later, uh, I built on a whole master bedroom suite. Mm -hmm. um, before that, um, I, you know, lived in the bedroom upstairs. But, uh, you know, as I got older... I thought, it's silly, I'd be better off, you know, building a, a bedroom downstairs, so that's what I did. And, oh, it's a beautiful bedroom, too. And that's what we have now. Now, I want to just take a second here, because the stonework you have here, I've never seen such beautiful stonework. I know, it's incredible work. And I'm just going to announce this guy's name, because I just spoke with him earlier, and I said, you are an artist with yes. your beautiful stonework. Uh, it's a stonemason, but he's a stonemason artist, basically. He really is. He's, he's a, a sculptor. Genius. His name is Remy. His name is Remy, and um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, L-L-E-S. Nor do I. I don't know how to pronounce it either. I, I call him Remy. 
But anyway, his, uh, your, his website, for anyone that's interested, expressmasonry.com. And uh, he said he would travel anywhere for work, and his work is the most incredible stonework I've ever seen. We have people who actually leave notes in our mailbox. Uh-huh. I believe uh, it. Saying, who did your wall, your front wall? And that's just the beginning because then he oh, did yes. all the everywhere all around the, back the walls around the house and in the back on a gigantic fireplace in the back and he's truly an artist. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean the way he makes the stones curve and everything. I mean, mm, just and every shape. Yes. It's, amazing. it's there's nothing nothing usual about it. There are all yeah. these odd shaped rocks that he puts together and some he carves himself and puts in and he's phenomenal. Yep. He's incredible. And so I am looking at your your windows and your we're in your living room or in your dining room right now. And these windows look like they're Victorian. Yeah, they're the original. Uh, uh, several of the panes are, in fact, actually original. You think these are period windows? Oh, yes. Wow. Yes, absolutely. So um, that's wonderful. You kept them instead of doing the standard replacing. Oh, yeah. Replacing I mean, the here. sad thing is that several of the panes, obviously, over the years... Um, were broken, oh, sure. and they yeah. were not replaced with old window I, panes. I can see the period window panes. Yeah, you can see the period ones and then yeah. the new ones. Yep, just wonderful mullioned windows. Very, yeah. very, very nice. So how many years did it take you to restore this home? Oh, about two years. That's all. Wow. That's all. And a house but we like kept this at it. A, I mean, we had yeah. to completely redo all the wiring. I mean, yeah. all of the electrical work, everything had to be redone. Mm-hmm. Um and we also sunk it all, you know, underground. Well, um, the electrical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before, there were wires just going everywhere and coming to this gigantic box right by the front door, which was pretty unattractive. <laughs> so uh, so we, um, we buried all the wiring. Um, and that took, that took quite a while. It, yeah. it, it took over a year just to redo the wiring. Um, but the house itself is... I mean, what you see is pretty much what was there, mm-hmm. except, as I said, uh, except for the add-ons. Yep, yep. I mean, we kept it as it was. We didn't change yeah. anything or add anything. Or I think you did a wonderful job. Yeah, thank yeah. you. So getting back to um, collecting, um, you, have, you have everything. You have paintings. You have, you name it, you have it. <laughs> I know. Um, how would you say that, wh- when did you stop Collecting, we all, you know, as we get. Oh, older, we I don't know that you ever really stopped collecting. <laughs> I love to hear that. But I, yeah. uh, you know, I guess a couple of years ago, I finally said, you know, because I had so much stuff, I, yeah. and I, you know, um, and and I started living smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, it, when you live in fifteen thousand square feet, you've got a lot of room for a lot of stuff. Oh wow! And then when yeah. you move into you know, 2,000 square feet. You've got yeah. 13,000 square feet and no place to put the stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I started slowly ridding myself of, of a lot of the... Uh, and I had a lot of oversized things, oversized furniture, you know, mm-hmm. because when you have that because of my oversized fill. paintings and my oversized yeah. clocks and my everything was oversized, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I rarely was in a house that didn't have a living room that was at least... You know, twenty by twenty-five. I mean, I just mm-hmm. almost, I couldn't I couldn't really put anything that I owned in a room smaller than that. So I got stuck with living much bigger than I wanted to live as I got older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when you collected, did you also stop at say estate sales and things like that too, or was it strictly shops? 
Um, pretty much shops. Mm-hmm. I really didn't go to estate sales. I didn't go to tag sales. I didn't even know they existed. Um, they probably not as much. No, I didn't think uh, in in my day. Yeah, you mainly found things in shops. Mm-hmm. Boy, if you could go back in time. So oh, they yeah. had some wonderful things. Oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. I see pictures of old shops and what they had then, mm. you know. It's Unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, and in Europe as well? I mean, you you were Yeah, but that, in less in Europe. Less yeah. in Europe because, it, you know, it was always, uh, that really became a matter of shipping and it just got to be too cumbersome. Yeah. Um, and usually when I went to Europe, I really went on a vacation. Yeah. I didn't go to buy anything. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And one of the few people who would I, go to I Europe and it. not buy anything. I even do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, last time I went to Europe, I I went strictly on vacation and stayed out of the shops. It was hard to do. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyway, so this has been absolutely wonderful, Polly. I've enjoyed it so much, Mario. Well, it, was, been, it was fun talking to you. And it's been wonderful working with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So this is Martin Willis with Polly Bergen, and we're signing off. Goodbye.